we're going to process through a passage of Scripture of Jesus' teaching that um, I think there's a lot of confusion on. Um, there's a lot of misinterpretation on it. Uh, but I want to start out with an interesting statistic that I ran into recently. And it, it just kind of, it was depressing. Um, but I think it's important for us to understand this. Uh, millennials, okay, generation, the millennials. So, so we're all on the same page of what we're talking about. Uh, millennials, you know, the, kind of the age group would be anybody from, and it fluctuates, but anyone from about like the mid-20s up to about 40, maybe a little bit older. Um, that's kind of that millennial generation, okay? Uh, the millennial generation is also the generation that we're seeing decline very rapidly in being in the church, Okay, this is, this is something that we're seeing trends in, and, 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 you just, and it's been happening for a while, but this is kind of that age group uh, that this study and this survey was out to. And this is what the results said. This is Barna, by the way, which is very trustworthy, and you can trust you know, what comes out of there. But this is what they came from millennials. 87% of millennials view Christians as judgmental. 85% of millennials view Christians as hypocritical. 70% of millennials view Christians as people that are insensitive to other people. Now, here's the thing. I read that, when I first read it, the first thing I wanted to do, because here's the deal, if millennials go up to about 40, <laughs> I'm not one. You know, I beat it by a few years. Okay, so I had the ability to sit there and go, well, what's wrong with those stupid millennials? Oh, crap, judgmental, <laughs> insensitive, you know. Um, but, but here's the thing, sometimes in the church when we hear these things, or, or if you talk to somebody and they, and they share that view of you, it, it, I, I'll be honest, there's a part of me that wants to take it personal. And, and I want to basically discredit what they're saying. I don't want to say, well, you have the problem, right? I want, I want to basically make it out like there's something wrong with the way you're seeing it, which makes you come to these conclusions that Christians are judgmental, hypocritical, and insensitive to others. But then, if I sit there long enough, <laughs> I have to ask the question, is there some validity to their conclusions? Is there some validity that Christians can be judgmental, can be hypocritical, and can be insensitive to others? And I asked myself the question as I was kind of processing those numbers, and I was like, is this what Jesus expects of us? Is this, is this how Jesus wants the world to see us as his followers? Now, the first thing that popped in my head, so I'm going to track with you like my thought process. First thing that popped in my head when I asked that question, is this what Jesus expects? If people look at me as a Christian, is, is, is that just going to be expected? They're going to see me as judgmental because I, you know, if I stand on truth or, or what God says, and they're just going to automatically see me as judgmental, and they're automatically going to see me as insensitive because I'm not going to agree with the things that they think. And, and I wanted to defend myself again because I, I went back to Jesus' words and said, well, Jesus said the world was going to hate me. Well, Jesus said that, the, that people were going to persecute me. And so, of course, of course they're going to think that we're judgmental. Of course, that means we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. That's, that's where I kind of wanted to land there. Of 
course people, because people living in darkness do not want to hear the truth. Of course they're going to think. That means we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. And then I kind of pause for a little bit, and I'm like, but I don't know if that's the case. I still don't know if that's the case, because Jesus talks about let your light shine before men so that they may worship and glorify your Father in heaven. Right? Jesus talks about let your light shine, and, and he talks about being a sweet aroma before God, and, and then he talks about all these things. And again, I can go back and say, well, he also talks about that, you know, to the people that are perishing, my life is going to be putrid to them. Because Again, there was this tension, right? Of course, if I'm going to stand against the sin of this world, people are going to see me as judgmental. And then God in his graciousness and in his mercy and in his wisdom started to show me many areas where he's like, David, yeah, you are called to stand on truth and you are called to proclaim my standard. and You are called to make discernments and you are called to be different and you are called to contrast what is right and what is good compared to what is evil and what is dark. And you are supposed to do these things, David. You're called to be salt and light. But he's like, but there have been many times, David, your, your attitude is just very, very judgmental towards people. Right? And this is where we get Jesus. Starts in Matthew 7. And he starts this part in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. And he says, do not judge others, and you will not be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. Now, I want to pause just for a moment before we get deep into this and understand that our world has taken Jesus' words. Even some in the church have taken Jesus' words and we've twisted them to mean something they do not mean. I've run into people that have this attitude a lot. You come to them and you share something from their life that you, you say, hey, I just, this, this doesn't line up with God. This isn't, this isn't right. Uh, this doesn't line up with scripture. It doesn't, and you get people that look at you and say, well, back off. Because Jesus says, do not judge. Right? The world has taken Jesus' words and we've tw- they've twisted it. And some in the church have allowed this to be twisted. Where now people try to use Jesus' own words to say, anything goes. It's not anybody else's place to tell me if I'm doing something wrong or I'm doing something against God. Right? You have no right to judge me because you don't know what I've been through. You have no right to judge me because you don't understand what my life is like. You have no right to judge me because you don't know my heart. Right? We hear those. I've used those. Right? You have no right to judge me. But I'm telling you right now, that's a misunderstanding. That's a twisting of what Jesus is saying here. In fact, we go on, and, and the next, and I don't have it up here, but you can look at it in your Bibles, it goes on, and, and this is when Jesus then uses the, the analogy, or the, the parable of, he says, why are you so worried about the speck in your brother's eye when you've got a plank in your own eye? And, and people like to use that. I mean, you've, maybe some of us here have used this to defend ourselves when people try to hold us accountable. Somebody will come to us, and they'll try to point something out in us, and we will like, dude, worry about yourself. Jesus said so. Why are you worried about my spec? You've got a plank, man. Back off. Don't judge me. 
Don't hold me accountable. Don't tell me what's right and wrong. You have no right to do that because Jesus says, don't judge me. Again, we've twisted it. The problem is people like to twist Scripture to excuse their behavior, and that's what's happening with Jesus' words here. That's why this is a hard teaching of Jesus, because some of us, we live in a world now, we live in a culture, we live in a time that this attitude has become so prevalent that many Christians have actually shrunk back from actually standing for truth and standing for the gospel and standing for Jesus with the other people around them because we've come to believe, I can't, I'm not, I can't judge anybody. Jesus said so. But that's not what Jesus is saying here. Because if you actually look at Scripture, and if you look at the entirety of Jesus' teaching, Jesus does talk a lot about judging one another. See, again, we've got to look at the Sermon on the Mount in its entirety and look what Jesus is doing. If you go back to the first couple weeks ago when we had the first sermon in this, or first sermon in this short series, we looked at another part of the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus is challenging throughout the Sermon on the Mount, he's challenging the heart of people. He's challenging the inward heart of people. And he's using behavior to challenge where we're at internally and and what's going on inside versus just trying to mold our outside behavior. And he's doing that now with how we treat one another. And he's not saying don't judge, because here's the thing, every single one of us make judgments all day long. Whether you realize it or not, you're making a judgment all day long towards people who you talk to, who you set by, who you interact with, what you say to people. Every single one of us is making judgments all the time. We do it in our marriages. We haven't had a situation like this for a long time, but I'll use an example. Like there's many times when, especially when uh, Amy and I were first married, well, for a long time of our, for a really long time (laughs) of our marriage, where I would make judgment calls all the time because I would have something I think I needed to say to her, but what I would do before I said it is I would judge how I assumed she would react to it. I mean, that's a good thing. It's a good thing, right? Because you sit there like stupid. (laughs) It makes sense to you. But think of how she's... But I was making a judgment on her. I was judging whether she could handle it. I was judging whether she would like it. I was judging whether she would understand what I was saying. We're constantly making judgments with each other. So we can't sit here and say that Jesus is saying, don't judge. We can't say that. Because Jesus goes on, if you actually look at the entirety of that passage, Jesus says, don't worry about the speck when you've got a plank. And then he finishes it with something that most people don't ever use when they quote this passage of Jesus. We like to use the, hey, don't worry about my speck, buddy. You've got a plank. We like to use that part. But we don't like to use the last part Jesus says when he's like, listen, remove the plank for your eye first so that you can see clearly to help your brother remove the speck. It wasn't the judgment of, hey, there's a speck in your eye that was the problem. It was the attitude behind the judgment or the view of the person that was the problem. Another passage of Scripture that people like to use for Jesus to to do this is when Jesus interacts with a woman caught in adultery. Right? This part where they bring Jesus before, and and again, maybe you have used this and maybe you've heard it, but it's out there. He without sin cast the first stone. You have no right to judge. 
you're just as sinful as I am. You have just as much, you have no right to condemn or judge me. And we think about that moment where that's where Jesus said with this woman that was before him and she was being condemned to death because of adultery. And Jesus looks at him, though, you know, he without sin casts the first stone. And we think, look at Jesus. And then he looks at her and he's like, woman, where are those that condemn you? Where are those that want to take your life? What happened to them? And after they all leave, she looks up and she says, they're not here. No one is left to condemn me. And Jesus is like, well, I don't condemn you either. And we like to use that by saying, see, Jesus didn't judge her. But he did. Because again, a part of the passage that people don't like to quote or look at is after Jesus says, neither do I condemn you either. Now go and sin no more. He did judge what was happening in her life. He made a discerning call that says, woman, you are living in a life of sin. Go and sin no more. See, we like to use these past, people like to use this to say, I can do what I want. Jesus isn't going to judge. Jesus doesn't, you have no right to judge. And all this, again, Jesus is very clear throughout his teaching that we are called to live with a attitude of righteous judgment. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. He's not telling us not to judge. He's challenging our motive and our attitude and our heart and why we do it. That's why he warns, treat others the way you want to be treated, right? He's like, the standard you use in judging is the standard that's going to be used for you. He's like, you're setting the precedent. If you judge with unrighteousness, if you judge with, you know, wickedness, then you're going to face that kind of judgment. He's challenging the attitude and the heart behind how we see one another and how we treat one another. You know, one of the things that pops in my head this week that I, I was just like, man, that, that's, that's an interesting thought. We spend a lot of time talking, you know, again, I'm sure everybody here has heard this, the old, the old saying, you know, um, hate the sin, love the sinner, right? That's, our, that's, our, that's why, you know, we call out sin, and we because we, we hate the sin, but we love the sinner. And the thought popped into my head that a lot of us Christians, if we really got honest with ourselves, I'm not doubting 100% that we have not done a good job with hating sin in certain contexts. Certain things, we have done a very good job at hating sin. The problem is, is we forgot how to love the sinner, See, we stand on the, man, I have done a great job at loving sin and taking a stand against sin and, and, and pointing out sin in the world. But we can do a great job of hating sin and still do a horrible job at loving the sinner. That's what Jesus is challenging here. He's saying, yes, hate the sin, but really hate the sin by loving on the sinner. Because that's the thing that makes people come to me. That's the thing that draws people to me. Jesus went on, you know, and and just to look at the entirety of Jesus' teaching, just to give you some other examples, that Jesus was not against judging, discerning judgment, in in righteous judgment. Jesus tells us in one passage what to do if somebody sins against us. He's like, listen, if someone sins against you, this is what you do. You go to them. That requires a judgment. You have to be willing to go to them and say, you sinned against me. That's a discerning judgment that we are called to make. Jesus tells us that we're supposed to be, we are known by our fruit. 
people are known by the fruit of their lives. This is a judgment. We are known by what our lives produce. We are called to look and we will know whether someone is a true believer or not based on the fruit of their lives. A tree is recognized by the fruit. Jesus warned us and tells us several times, even in the Sermon on the Mount, he talks about discerning and knowing who false prophets are. Recognize false prophets. Again, that's a discerning judgment to call someone out and to look at what they're doing and say, that is false against the truth of God. You are a false prophet. Jesus told his disciples, when you go into a city and you preach the gospel to them, and and if they don't listen and they're hostile to you and they don't want to receive what you have, shake the dust from your sandals and leave. That's a judgment. Jesus is saying if you're not being welcomed, if you're not being received, if they're not accepting and they're hostile to to the gospel, shake the dust and leave. These are all judgments. So again, we can't sit here and say that Jesus tells us we don't have a place to judge. We do. As long as it's righteous judgment. In fact, at the end of this passage, this is why it's a hard teaching of Jesus. Jesus all of a sudden goes into this weird thing. And again, you can look at it in your Bibles, but after he makes this comment about the speck in the eye and, and, and taking the speck out and taking your plank out and helping all, all of a sudden he starts talking about pigs and dogs. And he's, he's like, you know, don't throw what's sacred to the dogs and, and, and don't give your pearls to swine. And I, I'll, I'll be honest, every time I read, when I read that, I'm like, man, Jesus just went with some weird directions. Like, I'm tracking with the wood and the eye thing, but where's he, what's, he, what's he going at here? He's talking about discerning judgment, righteous judgment. He's saying, listen, he's going back to the gospel. He's going back to the message. He's like, listen, you don't take what is sacred. The most sacred thing that we have is the message of Jesus Christ. It's the gospel. And Jesus is like, don't throw and waste the gospel on the dogs that are just going to abuse it. He's talking about making judgments. Not hateful or angry or, or vengeful judgment. He's saying, be discerning on how people are responding and acting. Make a judgment. Don't throw pearls to swine. You have to make a judgment to know if a person is in that realm of trampling on the gospel. Trampling on what is sacred. Now, Jesus, again, is not saying that anything goes. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying do whatever you want. He's not saying what our culture is is saying, where our culture wants to say there's no such thing as absolute truth. My truth is my truth. Your truth is your truth. That's not what Jesus is saying. And as Christians, we have to stop living in that mentality. You have your truth. I'll have my truth. Because there's no such thing as your truth, my truth. There's his truth. That's it. And we need to stop living in fear to take a stand against false ideas and false beliefs that are bleeding into our culture and into our churches and even into our own lives. Again, Jesus is not telling us that we cannot discern between right and wrong. He's not telling us that we can't call sin out as sin. He expects us to do that because here's the thing. You and I are called to be ambassadors of truth. That is what you are. You are called salt and light. You are ambassadors of truth. 
We are called to discern between right and wrong, good and evil. But again, Jesus is challenging the heart. He's challenging how we treat people. So what kind of judgment are we called to have? Well, ultimately, it comes down to this. You and I never have the right, never have the right to judge to the point of condemning. See, like, I can call something out as right and wrong. I can call something out as sin. But as soon as I enter into a place where I make a judgment call on the worth, the value, the purpose, any aspect of who that person is, or feel that it's my job, think that it's my job to condemn them and punish them, we have moved into a place of judgment that we were never meant to have. There is one judge and one judge only, and that is Jesus Christ. It is not my job to condemn people for their sin. It's not my job to hold people like, and make them shameful of their sin. Here's the deal. It's not even my job to convict people of their sin because I can't. I can't convict a single person of sin. Only the Holy Spirit of God can do that. It's not my job to condemn people. Now, let me give you an example if this kind of helps. It, 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 again, I've told you this before. It makes sense in my brain. I hope it makes sense in yours. Long time ago, Amy and I, you see, y'all have those like really stupid shows you watch when your, your day's getting done and you just like to watch it because you don't have to think. But it's like, <laughs> the funny part is when I say that and you see certain people look at each other and they're like, yeah, your show's stupid. Like, get her, you know, like, I know what our show, but anyways, um, Amy and I had one years ago. We used to watch a show called Parking Wars. I don't know if anybody's ever watched par- Parking Wars. It was hilarious. Here's what Parking Wars was. They would go to big cities, and they would follow around parking enforcing, enforcement officers, just giving parking tickets. That's all it was, was them giving parking tickets. It was hilarious to watch people react to getting a ticket. It was hilarious to watch people get their, their car towed. It was hilarious to watch them have to go to the DMV. I'm sitting there the whole time like, who are these people that let somebody with a camera film them being stupid? I mean, because they were. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. That's all it was. It was about parking tickets. And we would watch this show and laugh hysterically at, at, at this real life parking horse. So here's the thing. We all know it. Here it is. No parking, right? You see the sign. No parking. Now, this is how my brain sees this. There is nothing wrong. If any one of you were to park in a no parking zone, There is nothing wrong with me walking up to you and saying, oh, hey, I don't know if you realize this, but you you parked in a no parking zone. Um, If you stay here, you're going to get towed, man. I don't want you to get towed. Did you see the sign? Nothing wrong with that, right? But we live in a culture that makes us like, don't, you know, who are you to tell me what I can do? Who are you to tell me how I can park? Who are you to tell me where I can park, right? But there's nothing wrong with me pointing it out. There's nothing wrong with me telling you truth. Truth is, dude, you're in a no parking zone. If you stay in the no parking zone, man, you're going to get towed. If you're going to get towed, you're going to go to the DMV. And anybody that's been in the DMV knows that is hell on earth. You don't want to go to hell. See? See? It's like nothing wrong with pointing out the path you're on could get you to hell. There's nothing wrong with that. 
There is no judgment in that. Now, the judgment would be you park in the parking zone, and I see it. So we'll say Ryan parks in the no parking zone, and I see it. And I look at him and say, stupid, no parking. Can't you read? Are you a moron? It's because of people like you that make it that everybody else can't park here because you can't follow the rules. If you pull your head out of... Never, I didn't plan on finishing it, but... See, now all of a sudden, if I'm pointing out truth... Now, here's the thing. I'm still pointing out truth to Ryan. The problem is, I'm condemning. You're stupid. You're an idiot. You're selfish. Why don't you know better? You should know better. I mean, how long have you been driving? Why do they give people like you driver's license? That's why your car looks like it does, dude. It's all banged up. Do you know how we say that as Christians? Christian, hear me now. How many times have you ever looked at a person that's got a really bad place in life? And it's like, man, their actions just got them there. Uh, if they do it different, you know, that's the same attitude as me saying, dude, you got a crappy car because you're, you don't know how to park. If you knew how to park... See, now all of a sudden I'm condemning, I'm, I'm, I'm challenging, I'm, I'm basically saying your worth is less, your value is less, your intelligence is less. I'm basically saying there's something inherently wrong with you, and I'm going to point it out in a very condemning, judgmental way. Again, I'm still pointing out truth in the sense of, dude, you're not supposed to park. But I'm doing it in a way that is very unrighteous. And this is where Satan likes to get in there with us and he likes to make us do the same thing with people. Because we see things that we don't like or we see things that don't line up with God's word. And again, the truth is still the truth. But what we do is instead of just focusing on their need to hear the truth, we add everything into it by judging their worth, their value, even their ability to repent and change. Just ask the question again. Think about this. Have any of you ever known anybody in your life that you look at their life, you look at their place in a position with God, you look at them, they don't know how to park, whatever it is. You look at all the things that you do not agree with their life, and there's a part of you right now that says, they'll never change. There's no hope for them. You're not God to make that judgment. But as soon as we do, we have entered into the place where Jesus says, do not judge. Because here's the thing. If there's no hope for them, you're going to be judged by the same measure. If there's no hope for them, guess what? There's no hope for you. I mean, do you see how Satan likes to get in there and he likes to make us think we're doing the right thing, but he's like, no, I'm going to twist it so that we become very judgmental towards people. We become very insensitive to people. We become very hypocritical towards people. Now, here's the thing with the example of the parking. Again, it is not wrong for me to point out the truth. It's not wrong for me to say, don't you see the truth? That's the truth. And because I care about you, I don't want you to end up with a towed car because violators will be towed. But here's the thing. I'm not doing it in two very important ways. First is this. I'm not the authority, meaning I wasn't the one that made the rule. I'm not walking around like I'm the one that made the rule. I'm not the one that decided this was a no-parking zone. I'm just pointing out that someone made it a no-parking zone. 
As Christians, we have to remember, it's not a, we're not the authority. We're just speaking on behalf of the authority. I'm not the one that made the rule. I'm just pointing out what the rule is. The second thing we have to remember when it comes to judging right is not only that we're not the authority, but we're also not the ones called to enforce it. Meaning it's not my job if Ryan Park's there to be like, dude, you screwed up. I'm going to go home and get my tow truck. I am going to show that dude that he wasn't supposed to park there. In fact, I'm just going to hook you up to my minivan and pull out. Right? Again, think about this. Judging, it is not wrong to point out truth. It's not wrong to discern between right and wrong. It's not even wrong to point it out. But as soon as we think in any small degree that we are the authority or we have the right to enforce the penalty, we have entered into a position that is not ours. It belongs to God alone. It belongs to God alone. It's not my job to enforce and give out the penalties. All I am called to do is speak truth, to present the truth, to warn of what's going to happen if people don't follow the truth. So now here's the thing. Uh, I just want to throw this out there. There are three areas, just real fast, not talking about, just I want to give them to you. When you think about what are we called to discern then? What are we called to judge in this world and in the lives of people? There are three very simple things that you and I on a daily basis should be ready and willing to discern in people. First is the spiritual condition of a person. What I mean by that is every single day I should be looking at the people around me and asking the question, Lord, do they even know you? Are they truly a believer of yours? Do they know Jesus Christ? You and I should constantly be asking those questions and discerning and judging that because here's the deal. If you decide and know and judge that they don't know Jesus, then we better do something about it. And if we discover that they do know Jesus, we better do something about it. Which means that's a brother or sister in Christ that we can feed into and they can feed into us. Either way, we have to discern these things. Are you a mature and growing believer in Jesus Christ, the spiritual condition of people? The second thing that we constantly need to be discerning and judging in people is beliefs. Do they believe the truth of Scripture? Do they go against the truth of Scripture? What do they see as right? What do they see as wrong? What do they believe? What are they following? What are they teaching? What are they expecting? We should constantly be doing that with one another. Where do you stand on these issues? Again, not to fight about them, not to argue about them, but knowing the heart of people. What's your belief? Discerning beliefs in one another. It's interesting. Um, I'm not saying to, to... listen to this at all. Um, Malia will probably laugh because we've talked about it. So I'm, I'm listening to a podcast of the, the rise and fall of Mars Hill. Um, and if anybody doesn't know, Mars Hill was actually a church that was started by Mark Driscoll. I've, I've seen Mark Driscoll in person. I've, I've listened to him back when he was in the height of his popularity. It's just like, man, that guy's amazing. I remember the first time I heard him just being in awe of him, just like, oh my goodness, this guy is so powerful and he's, a, he's just a wonderful. As I'm listening to this podcast and they're playing clips of some of his, his belief systems, I'm like, man, this guy's messed up. 
Right? So what I'm saying is, is we should know the people we're listening to. We should know the beliefs and judge whether it lines up with Scripture or it doesn't. And the last thing that we're called to judge in people and discern in righteous ways is the actual fruit of people's lives. Right? Is this glorifying to God? Is this what God calls of you? Are you producing what God says you're supposed to produce? Church, right now, all of us sitting in this room, if this is your church home, we should be doing this with one another all the time. We should constantly be, what is our spiritual condition with one another? Are we in a right relationship with Jesus? Are our beliefs in line with Scripture? And are we producing the fruit? This is the judgment that we should constantly be doing with one another. And I'm not just putting that on you. I'm not saying that that's my job or the elder's job also. Here's the thing. You guys have just as much right to be judging me when it comes to those three things. You have just as much right to look at me and say, David, where's your relationship with Jesus? Where's your beliefs? Like, what are you thinking? What's, what's, is this lined up with Scripture? You have just as much. Are you producing fruit that God calls you to produce? That's why we're bonded together in the church, so that we can spur one another along. Iron sharpens iron. So that you deal with the speck or the plank in your eye, but you help me deal with the speck in my eye. Have you ever thought about it that way? That the people in this church right now are the people that are supposed to help you get the specks out of your eye? Man, that's why we that's why we bond together in the church, because God says, help one another, unite to one with one another. Disciple one another. Encourage one another. Hold one another accountable. Because as you do it, you become more like me. But even in the church, we have the attitude of, don't judge me. Don't judge me. Don't, how dare you tell me how I should live or why I should live? Or, you don't have the right to do that. I'm going to throw this out, and then we're going to go to the, the next section of this. But just you got to hear this, because this is something I have to remind myself. If you don't think Christians have the right to get into your business, don't ever become a member of a church. Because that's one of the things about being a covenant member of a church. Now, some of us here are like trying to define what's it mean to be in my business. (laughs) But here's the thing. When we become members, not just members in the sense of I have my paper, I'm a member, or took a class. I'm saying when you say these are the people that God has united, we, united me with, to grow with, to serve with, to love, to live, like all of these things. These are the people. What we're saying to one another is you have the right to point out the specks in me and I have the right to point out the specks in you. In the right, righteous loving, godly way. This is the problem because many times we can get it wrong. And when we get it wrong, that's when problems start. So I just want to process through the ways we get it wrong and just to encourage us to say, hey, let's watch for these things. The first one is this. We are never allowed to have hypocritical judgment. Hypocritical judgment is this. That's what Jesus is talking about when he says, listen, don't worry about the speck because you got the plank. What he's saying is, is many times we can fall into a very judgmental attitude towards people because we're actually trying to ignore the very sin that's in our heart to begin with. Because here's the thing. It's really easy for me to point out sin in you if it reminds me of sin in me. Because I don't want to deal with the sin in me, so I just want to focus on the sin in you. 
That's what Jesus is saying here. He's like, you can't be a hypocrite. We, we can't walk around with this attitude of, you need to deal with your sin, but I'm not going to deal with mine. And he's saying, don't ever fall into hypocritical judgment. I am extremely guilty of this. There have been many times in my life that I have sat and said things against people, inside and outside the church, when I knew the whole time internally, God was trying to show me, David, knock it off. You got a plank that you need to deal with. And you're not doing it because you're focusing on them more than you're focusing on you. In fact, Paul says in Romans chapter 2, he says, you may think you can condemn such people, but you are just as bad. You have no excuse. When you say they are wicked and should be punished, you are condemning yourself for you who judge others do the very same things. He's challenging the heart. That's what Jesus is doing. He's challenging the heart. Because he's saying, listen, don't go around trying to change everybody else if you're not willing to let me change you. Because your plank is much more serious than their speck. Because here's the thing. I just want to realize this. Any sin that's in any of your lives, and the sin, and, well, let's do it this way. Let's, I'm going to go with this premise, right? Y'all are perfect. <laughs> any sin that's in my life, okay? Any sin that's in my life, it doesn't really affect any of you in your relationship with Jesus. That's why Jesus says, why are you focusing on this thing that doesn't even affect you? The speck. Why are you focusing on that? Jesus is like, you need to focus on the plank, man. Your plank is a problem. Not because it's bigger than my sin or my sin's bigger than your sin. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's like, you got a board coming out of your eye. You need to focus on what's affecting you before you worry about what's affecting the other person. That's what Jesus is saying. Because he's like, your relationship with me is that important. I want nothing between us. Don't fall into hypocritical judgment. The second thing that we can never do is superficial judgment. Right? We are never allowed to fall into super, superficial judgment. So, Scripture tells us this in Proverbs. Spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. So basically, superficial judgment is when we hear just a little bit of something or we see just a little bit of something and we jump to a conclusion without all the facts. Oh, I know what's going on here because I just saw that. We do this all the time. I am so guilty of this. I am extremely guilty of this. You hear just enough of something or see just enough of something and you think you know everything and we instantly jump to our conclusion. Right? So as an example, when Amy and I got married, we got up during our ceremony and we were trying to light the unity candle. Okay? And for whatever reason, I thought it would be fun and exciting to try to set myself on fire. Um, now it wasn't like full on panic during it, but there was a moment I didn't realize I was setting myself on fire. Amy realized it. My soon to be wife started whacking me (laughs) during the service. (laughs) I made a judgment really fast. This ain't how this marriage is going. (laughs) Right? But here's the thing. Didn't have all the facts. 
We do this all the time, especially when we question intent and motives. Anybody here ever had something happen between you and another person or you see something and you just automatically know what their motive is? You automatically know what the intent is. Oh, they're against me. Oh, they hate me. Oh, they're trying to destroy things. Oh, they're just doing that because they're trying to stab me. Whatever it is, we automatically know because we're making superficial judgments. Jesus actually said this. Look beneath the surface so you, surface so you can judge correctly. Right? Don't jump to rash conclusions. Investigate. Look deeper. Go further. Don't just jump to the easiest conclusion. The third one that we're not ever allowed to do is self-righteous judgment. This is the one I think many of us can fall into, including myself. I know I can fall into this without even realizing I fell into it. So there was this moment where Jesus was challenging his followers with this, and he, and he says this. He says there's two people at the temple, and he says the Pharisee, right, the religious person, they stood up. He stood up by himself, and he prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not like other people. Cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I'm certainly not like that tax collector, the other man that's in this story that Jesus says is there before God. Basically, the guy's saying, look at this filthy, horrible person, Lord, but man, I'm not that. In fact, I fast twice a week and I give you a tenth of my income. Look how good I am, Lord. I don't have a messed up life like all these other people. I'm not filthy like the rest of these people. I don't curse you like the rest of these people, Lord. Look at how self-righteous I am. My family's better than theirs. My life is better than theirs. You have blessed me more than them. Whatever it is, right? Satan likes to get in there, and he likes us to exalt ourselves above others. And Jesus is like, don't ever, ever fall into self-righteous judgment. This is why Jesus said things like, the first should become last. We should actually humble ourselves before all people. We should put others before ourselves because he's trying to show us, don't let your heart get hard in how you see other people. Be humble in our position before God. And the last one is this. We are never allowed to have harsh judgment. Harsh judgment is... That moment when, yes, we need to point out truth, and yes, we need to stand on truth, but we are never allowed, never allowed to speak harshly to anyone. Proverbs tells us, there is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. And there are times when we do have to hold one another accountable. There are times we do have to stand and show the difference between right and wrong, but we are never allowed to do it out of anger, frustration. We are never allowed to do it in a way that brings anyone down. In fact, Scripture tells us to speak the truth in love. Always. This is the expectation of us to speak truth into people, is to speak the truth in love. So as we close and we end this morning, I just got... These questions to ask, for, for you to add, this is what I want to start asking myself when it comes to when I find myself falling into a judgmental moment. Not a judgmental where I shouldn't be judging the situation, but I want to make sure I answer these three questions the way that I need to answer them. Simply this. First is, am I basing this on God's declared standard? 
Meaning if I see something in somebody else's life or if I see something in in a group of people or whatever it is, if I'm judging a situation, am I judging it based on God's declared standard, not my personal preference, not my personal comfort zone, not the thing the way I think it should be. But can I honestly sit there and say what I am judging, God has clearly declared as right and wrong in Scripture. If I can't, then I need to kind of ask myself, is it really worth it, or am I just being annoyed, right? So uh, another example I'll give real quick, when we were building Revolution, or we were fixing up the building down Revolution, now here's the thing, there's no parking signs down, downtown, right, that tell me where I can park and where I can't park. We had another business owner that had a store near Revolution out there that came in and like literally ripped into me because we had people parking in their parking spot. Right? Like literally how rude I was and how horrible I was and I was affecting the business and all this stuff. And I'm sitting there graciously thinking, well, (laughs) it wasn't horrible, but I'm like, man, who made you like the parking police? You know, I was going through my head, like, what's the deal? Now, here's the thing. That person very easily could have came into me and said, hey, I just need to talk to you. I know you guys got a lot of stuff going on. You got people coming in and working. I just want you to know that normally this is, you know, I like trying to keep this for people that come into my business. Would it be possible for us to kind of maybe work something out here and make that? But she didn't. She comes in and said, hey, this is the rule. Everybody knows it's the rule. I have, this is my parking spot. Everybody knows it's our parking spot. You better follow. I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm not doing that. In fact, she told me at that moment, you need to go out and tell the guy that's parked in that parking spot to move right now. See, we do this all the time. I think this is the way it is, and I'm going to hold you to my standard, not God's standard. We are only called to speak the truth of God. So, is it based on God's declared standard? Second one is this. Could God be showing me something in somebody else, but he's actually trying to reveal a plank in my own eye? Right? So again, maybe very legitimately, he's showing me something that I need to try to help that person and help remove the speck in that person. But before I jump to, let me take the speck out of your eye, maybe I need to ask the question, Lord, are you trying to reveal a plank in mine first? Lord, are you trying to draw me closer to you? Are you trying to put something out of between us? Are you doing a work in me, Lord? So instead of instantly jumping on how to fix the other person, I'm going to say, Lord, are you doing something in me first? And the last question is this. Is my motivation in what I'm thinking and the judgment that I'm making, is my motivation love for this person? Because if my motivation is not because I desperately love the person and want to see them in a right relationship with Jesus. I want to see them healed. If my motivation is not for the benefit of them completely, 100%, then I am in the wrong. If my motivation is because your behavior annoys me, I'm in the wrong. If my motivation is I think you're a bad person and you need to do better, I'm in the wrong. My motivation needs to be my heart is broken because I see something in your life that is keeping you from the fullness of what God wants for you. And I want to do something about it. Am I motivated solely by love? 
If I can look at those three questions and answer it, yes, this is based on the truth of God. Yes, God, I know there's something in my life, or even if I've dealt with that, I feel good that you're not showing me something, Lord. And if I can honestly say I'm doing this for that person and not for myself, then those are the moments when I can say, Lord, help me to go be a voice of truth to this person. Because, Lord, I love them, and I want them to see how good you are and how awesome you are and what you want for them. The world does not need our unrighteous judgment, church, and we can fall into that really fast. I can fall into that really fast, but they do need us to love them. That's what people need. They don't need our unrighteous judgment, but they need our love. Because there is a day coming when the judge is going to come. And the Jesus that said, I don't condemn you either, is going to say, I never knew you because today is the day of judgment. Now, I don't want to get this one wrong and how we interact with one another and live and love and minister and do life together with us in the church or out in the world. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for our morning together, our time as a church, worshiping and celebrating and fellowship together and proclaiming truth. And Lord, I, I pray for um, an encouragement of heart that we all, every single one of us, it doesn't again matter how long we've been Christians, we all are on a journey of growth. How wonderful it is to know that we have a lifetime, however long that life is, we have a lifetime every day to humbly put ourselves before you and become more and more like Jesus. That every day we have the ability to grow and mature and to reflect the glory of God. I pray encouragement on us for that. I pray that even though today was in many ways hard and challenging and putting us and saying, where's our heart at? I pray that we leave here encouraged and uplifted because, Lord, I just want to be like you. Jesus, I want to love like you loved. I want to speak truth like you speak truth. Lord, I, I want every day to be able to know that I put myself in a place where I could just be used by you. Again, not perfect, as I'll never be perfect. But Lord, I humbly put myself in your hands and said, Lord, use me for your glory. Help us love well, Lord. Help us in uniting together in care for one another, supernatural, the love that comes from your heart into ours for one another and for the world. We give you praise in all of it. In your name we pray. Amen.